When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Baltimore Ravens, big winners at home, at the bank, comfortable against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 40-14. to And they are now rolling. I'm Antonio Barbera, joined by my co-hosts. First and foremost, Tim Horsey. Tim, how does it feel to have a 40-point comfortable win, which we had been missing for the last few weeks, if not months? And a rest Lamar Jackson because we're up so big game, which I feel like happened a lot last season. Hasn't happened nearly as much this year, so it was uh, it was nice to have a, yeah, how do you say, relaxing Sunday, I guess, in terms of the Ravens. It was what we asked for in our last episode because all of our hearts had gotten a little strained. The blood pressure was was kicking up. So that was the perfect game to relax and just enjoy Ravens football. Jace, how you doing on the West Coast, man? I'm doing well. And like you said, uh, I needed that. I don't know if the team needed it as much. Uh, a a kind of easy, relatively stress-free game against a very bad team. Uh, but I certainly personally did. It was a uh, it was a needed uh, respite, I guess, for after that you know crazy crazy Cleveland game on Monday Night Football to just have kind of a boring 1 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> well, kind of I don't want to say walk in the park because it is an NFL game, but I mean they scored 40 points, so <laughs> it wasn't too hard. And unlike last week, the Browns are uh, the Jaguars did not also score. 42 points so it was a pretty easy game i had little complaints it was it was needed i enjoyed it minor concerns 
pregame with the injury report with no Calais Campbell, uh, no Marcus Peters, Ingram a healthy scratch, which was something that was sort of had been whispered earlier in the week based on the Ravens needing depth at other areas of need, such as in the secondary. Um, And then the Ravens get the ball on their first drive to start the game. Moving on down the field, just like they've always done. And then Lamar with the just blatantly unnecessary double coverage interception. And so those two things combined, the injuries and then the interception on the first drive, that's about as low as we ever got in in this game, I would say. Uh, A safety uh, by the Ravens two plays later with Gardner Minshew doing the the classic... um, triple pat of the ball when in the end zone. Maybe not the best thing to do when you have to get rid of the ball quickly. And the Ravens take a 2-0 lead, and I will be honest with you, at that point I was pretty comfortable. Uh, It may seem sort of absurd that it's like a baseball score and and you're thinking that the game is over, but getting points off of our own interception and then immediately getting the ball back, I was already feeling good, but the Ravens certainly took control after that with their next possessions. But I want to get into, guys, the start of this game. When did you feel comfortable uh, in this particular matchup? And then let's get going even right into what you guys thought about Lamar this week. Yeah, just quickly. I mean, I, I kind of have to agree. I was I was at a uh, like a mini family Christmas gathering, you know, COVID safe stuff, um, watching this game. And uh, about, I don't know, all of zero other people were interested in Ravens Jaguars. So I was sitting there by myself. <laughs> And Lamar throws another horrendous pick, trying to force the ball to Hollywood Brown and double coverage. And immediately I was like, well, Christmas is ruined. Uh, this, this is going to, you got to be kidding me. This is going to happen. And then two plays later, the safety. And again, we talk about emotional roller coasters, and I'm certainly one of those people while watching this team. It immediately flipped, just and just like you said, Antonio, they go up 2 nothing, and I look at how bad that Jaguars line was, um, and we'll talk about the defense in a second. And I was like, oh, we got it. We're good. So, like, 2 nothing, I was even kind of in that same boat of, like, I'm going to pour myself another Christmas cocktail and just enjoy this, and, you know, it's going to be a good time. As for Lamar, it was a really incredible game passing the ball. Um, the, the running from him which we've seen the last couple of weeks, was toned down just a little bit. Um, he wasn't breaking off a bunch of massive runs. Uh, he would have had that one touchdown run if they got the playoff in time, which is inexcusable, but that's a whole different conversation. But passing the ball, man, and, and look, there'll be this giant caveat, and we can just put it here and leave it. We know they were playing the Jaguars, and you have to beat who's in front of you, and the Jaguars are remarkably bad. And now, based on other events, we'll probably get Trevor Lawrence to save their franchise. But... I thought the way he picked apart that team and got a bunch of different people involved uh, in the passing game after seeing his running prowess over the last couple of weeks was great. And I, I was really, really impressed with that performance. I think similar to you guys, I was marginally concerned at the pick because that is like, you know, the one thing, how do you keep bad teams in games? Turnovers, right? And you're driving down the field, seems pretty easy. And you try to force it, and you watch the replay, there's Patty Ricard's wide open, he could have swung it to J.K. Dobbins easy enough. There were options, he did not choose them, tries to force it, gets a pick. I'm a little concerned at that point, but yeah, Judon, nice play by him, you gotta give him a little credit uh, on the safety. Um, As you said, uh, nice uh, 
pump fake when you don't have time to do that by our friend Gardner Minshew there. Um, so I felt pretty confident at that at that point, them immediately getting points and the ball back. I pretty much thought it was game over when they got the ball back and immediately scored a touchdown to go 9 nothing. That's what I felt personally comfortable. Uh, not I was like, well, now it's, you know, two scores and... You know, I think we've seen enough from the Jags already. So that's what I felt good. And I'm with you, Tim, on Lamar. I I, I think, as you said, regardless of opponent, it's really promising to see just because, you know, we've seen them have not great passing games also against bad opponents. The Bengals game comes to mind where he was chucking it all over the field and completed 50% for whatever reason. But um, I did think the one thing the uh, the Jags did well in this game was they did kind of keep him under wraps. He had that one really nice uh, 18-yard run, and the touchdown uh, in the second half was a nice a nice play design. But uh, otherwise, he, he didn't do that much. But, you know, I think as a quarterback, you want to see your quarterback be able to pass out of situations. And I thought especially this game, he hit some really nice deep balls down the field. He had that one where Andrews made like a really great catch. Um, and then, but he had a, he had just a dime to Hollywood, uh, down the sideline, um, in the second half. Um, just some very nice throws deep, uh, an unexpected deep ball to Gus Edwards of all people. So I was impressed with Lamar. I thought, I thought he had a really good game. He had one of his highest passing yardage totals of the season. Uh, and like you said, he did it all pretty efficiently and pretty quick. Cause he was on the bench for a big chunk of the fourth quarter. The interception, and I, I wish I had this statistic, but I didn't really think about this particular nugget uh, pre, pre-show, but the interception is on first and 10. I would love to know what percentage of his interceptions are not on third or fourth down, and I sort of, my gut is telling me that a lot of them have been on first and second down, at least more than there should be. So that's the frustrating part, is the unnecessary forcing of a throw like that when you're on Jacksonville's 36-yard line, you're, in, in theory, already in scoring position. You're in a first and 10, and you're throwing deep into double coverage. But after that play, you guys are absolutely right. He settled in, found some guys, different guys, even newer name. I mean, Miles Boykin with a nice touchdown catch. Des Bryant gets his first touchdown catch. Um, the the classic, you know, get-right game for Marquise Brown with the 98 yards receiving he had some nice yards after the catch as well um so some really good things through the air and then I want to talk about J.K. Dobbins taking over this role I mentioned Mark Ingram with the healthy scratch to start the game Ingram only played in one snap last week so that was sort of a a foregone conclusion that he was getting pushed out of this role but 14 carries for Dobbins some uh, Jace touched on this in the uh in the text thread, but there's basically the Ravens run a play that like we all run in Madden that like every time it works for five yards, we just run it 15 times a game. And they did that three or four times a game. And it's a play that has already been run by this team in other games. Jace, uh, what, what does JK Dobbins do? Well, they run him around left end. I don't know if it's specifically cause Orlando Brown's over there these days, but it, every time I rewatch, you know, rewatching the, the condensed highlights of the game, Every time he got the ball there on a, like, kind of, you know, in the pistol a lot of times, handoff in front of Lamar, and he just sprints to the left end, and he hits the edge, and he gets five yards every time. I don't know, like, if it's just because of his speed to the outside, but it was, like, one of their most unstoppable play. It was a guaranteed five yards minimum every time, and often went much longer than that. 
Um, I love J.K. Dobbins. I think we were kind of cla- you know clamoring for him in the early going this season. I do want to say I love obviously I love Mark Ingram. I have a big trust T-shirt. Uh, I think he's been was an awesome awesome last season. Uh, it just it does bum me out that uh, he was a healthy scratch for this game. Um, and we've touched on in weeks past that it's pretty clear he's not going to be on the team next season, uh, the way things are trending. So that's kind of a bummer. But I think for these 2020 Ravens, uh, they figured it out. The, you know, uh, we love Mark Ingram, but J.K. Dobbins is your primary ball carrier. You supplement him with Gus Edwards. It's kind of a perfect one-two punch. And at a lot of positions, I think, is, but especially running back in the NFL, I think sometimes you want to have depth. But sometimes less is more, and I think they've uncomplicated things, and to just have Dobbins take over, he's just been really impressive, and I think I've been a big fan of getting him involved uh, more and more in the run game, and then the Gus bus as well. Um, I think a necessary change, a sad change, to not have Mark Ingram probably in our lives going forward, but uh, I think for this team, a really, uh, a really good move, and as we saw, I mean that left end run alone it's one of clearly one of the ravens more unstoppable plays so big big jk dobbins fans over here i'd say (laughs) yeah i mean you kind of nail it with jk and with mark ingram it's so sad and i don't think a guy has made such an impact on our franchise on the ravens franchise in one year you know because he really hasn't done anything this year and he seems like one of those personalities that Look, if he wants to keep playing, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Jace. He's not going to be in a Ravens uniform next year. So if he wants to keep playing, I hope he gets his money. I hope somebody recognizes that he's still a talent and gives him a shot. If not, I would hire him to the coaching staff the day after the season ends um, because he just seems like he has that type of impact. And, you know, you you even look at, like, the Instagram stories from these guys, and it's always Mark Ingram hyping people up, the, the whole MVP whoop-whoop type thing last year. Like, he has that effect on the team, but – but it's night and day watching J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards run the ball now. Um, and you kind of nailed everything with the running backs. You went sexy. I'm going to go with the substance, and that's the offensive line. And a guy who we haven't talked about yet on this program, but who has made in a massive impact, and you look at some of the next-gen stats and the PFF stuff, who has been one of the better linemen in his brief time on this front line for the Ravens, and that's Ben Powers. The right guard out of Oklahoma was drafted in 2019. Uh, it's only his second year, or maybe it's his third year. Apologies. I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. But his first real starting opportunity with the Ravens, he played all 66 offensive snaps. Uh, four of the linemen did, Bozeman, uh, Makari, Orlando Brown, and Powers, and then DJ Fluker and Matt Sakura kind of split some time as well. Uh, he played 66 snaps there. And they're starting to find something. And this running game, although we just talked about how Lamar wasn't as consistent, you look at J.K. Dobbins, 64 yards on 14 carries. Uh, his, his long was an 11-yard carry. It's not like he racked up a bunch of those stats via one play. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Gus Edwards had nine carries for 42 yards. I think I might... This might be a hot take. I think I might like watching Gus Edwards run the ball more than J.K. Dobbins. Like, I love them both, but there's something about legitimately the bus that comes through the hole. I know Pittsburgh fans are going to get mad at that, but who cares? 
that he just he's never falling backwards he's running through guys he is forcing contact not taking contact and there's something i enjoy about that but when we talk about this running game i think that we should shout out the offensive line who we've talked about it all year injuries marshall yonder's retirement matt sakura forgetting how to snap like there have been a load of problems and Ben Powers is not the guy who solved it all, but his inclusion and then the improvement of everybody else, Orlando Brown kind of getting more of a feel for the left tackle position, has made this team a force on the ground again. They racked up 159 yards here on 37 carries. And again, the long was a 19-yard run from Tyler Huntley, the backup quarterback. So that plays in the cold weather. It's a cliche for a reason. That plays in January. That plays in the playoffs. You know who can't do that right now? The Pittsburgh Steelers. And their fans are freaking out about it because they can't run the ball. You know who can? The Baltimore Ravens. In a close game where they need to take control of the clock, I now, the faith has been restored in this team to just maul teams on the ground when they need to. I'm going to bring up one other offensive lineman that I gotta, we got to shout out very quickly, and that's Tyree Phillips with <laughs> an important, a third down uh, carry. <laughs> <laughs> for 22 yards uh Lamar fumbling which is a, you know a, a situation where he held on to the ball way too long but it's sort of a forgotten turnover because it's a 40 to 7 game at that point but the ball just it just finds the right people the ball does and in that instance it found Tyree Phillips who then hustled and bustled 22 yards downfield holding the ball like a warm loaf of bread that you're trying to like run home with and keep warm before you get like to the kitchen table for lunch he does get uh hit by several jaguars at the end of that play and it was really a shame he ends up um i don't think coming back and he was hurt and i don't think he came back into the game um and he did some concussion testing so hopefully he's okay in that regard because it was a an awesome play and because we want him (laughs) back in in the lineup as well so shout out tyree any other offensive uh, notes, guys, that you want to talk about before we talk about uh, the the defense versus this just putrid Jaguars team? Yeah, I just have one quick thing. Um, we mentioned it in passing, but I feel like we should talk about one. Yeah, you're right. I completely missed on this uh, snap count thing that I'm reading. Tyree Phillips also played. So Ben Powers didn't play every snap, but there was four guys who played 66 snaps. Um, so a majority of the games. But the receivers. Um, we talked about Lamar throwing the ball, but I just I want to highlight because we have slammed him multiple times on this show and deservedly so. Uh, Marquise Brown stepped up big time, and they you know the pick was forcing him the ball, which Lamar. That's the thing that annoys me because he's such good friends with Hollywood. It feels like he has to get him involved, yada yada yada, help out his confidence a little bit. Sometimes he forces the ball to him, and that's frustrating. But anyway, but outside of that and the pick, six catches, ninety eight yards, was making an impact on the game. Miles Boykin becoming a red zone target. He only had one catch, but it was a hell of a catch uh, for the touchdown. And then we mentioned Mark, Eng- or excuse me, Mark Andrews, a great game from the tight end spot. A, a hell of a catch on a bad throw that the commentators were like, what a great throw by Lamar Jackson. No, it was underthrown <laughs> and Mark made the play, which you need when you have a quarterback who isn't the most accurate in the world. So good to see him step up. Let's see him do it in a game that really matters that's a discussion for another day and then i just want to give another shout out i know antonio said it but emphasize a very very cool moment for des bryant who in the post game said he he had to hold back tears um fighting back after all these injuries and you know drinking too much wine after testing positive for covid against the cowboys and like all this stuff 
that he that, that, seriously that he fought back from to see him throw up the X and Lamar throw up the X. I was like, I'm not like you know Ravens Reddit where I'm like Des is going to lead us to the promised land now, but it was a very very <laughs> cool moment. And again, the more weapons, the better. So if he can make any sort of impact after that, it, you know, like we said when he was officially signed to the practice squad and then elevated to the active roster, anything you get from Des is a positive. And so I think that you know him starting to emerge in this very incredibly crucial point of the season is only a good thing for Baltimore. Yeah. On Des, it is interesting. Uh, and I think very cool, obviously how, how much the guys seem to like him. He seems to have like kind of ingrained himself into the team, like right away, even like you said, he's not, uh, you know, not the most involved. That was his touchdown was his one catch, but, uh, this is first, TD in over three years. I believe they said December 10th, 2017, I believe, was they said his last touchdown with the Cowboys. Um, that's hard to believe. So, yeah, that's a cool moment. I mean, I can't imagine, especially if you were as good as Des Bryant is, and then just going three whole years without, you know, scoring a touchdown. Um, so I was, it was cool to see him and just, you know, Lamar getting other people involved, a lot of different pass catchers in this game. Um, but... The, the one thing I wanted to just say on Hollywood, because I did also think, obviously, he had a great game. Um, and we talked in the past. It's good to, obviously, I think, get his confidence up. I think the whole demanding the ball and then having some drops thing might have <laughs> shaken him a bit, perhaps. But uh, I really enjoyed and thought it was good the way Greg Roman, you know, got him involved. Uh, I think there was some some past types we haven't exactly seen to Hollywood in recent weeks, um, especially uh, you know that one just we, we talked about it in the text thread where he just kind of stayed on the line of scrimmage and Lamar faked to him and then just kind of came back to him for an easy ten yards with no one on the Jags. That's like the kind of thing they should try to be doing more with him, just easy completions that can utilize his speed. And I don't know if it's a Lamar thing, if it's a Greg Rome thing, but they clearly haven't done that a ton. So it was nice to see some of these kind of concepts and just kind of plays where, you know, he can do a little running after the catch. I thought he had a really good game. And so uh, I thought it was good. As you said, I thought Mark Andrews was great. He's kind of, you expect that probably from him a little more, but uh, yeah, I was, I was really impressed. I, th- I thought the receivers made some good plays to really help uh, bolster and boost Lamar's day. And Dez on that touchdown pass was open twice. He he was open on the original <laughs> route and then open once the play broke down. We talked about when a few weeks ago, uh, when Dez did end up maybe testing positive, definitely testing positive, definitely not. That still remains a little hazy uh, half an hour before the Cowboys game. And we talked about how that would definitely impact other players on the Ravens or on the Cowboys and how that'd be an issue. Three receivers did end up going on the abbreviated COVID list, I would I, I, I would say, which I, I think was like a close contact situation more than yeah, a Yeah, it was a, a, a close test. contact with, I don't know if they said officially, I think it was one of the receiver's coaches tested positive. So, so it ended up being a positive in that they all were able to come back for this game, but this could have been a, a matchup with, I think it was Marquise Brown, uh, I want to say Prochet, and I don't remember who the third. Was it Boykin? Maybe? I think Boykin, yeah, that sounds right to me. So good to have all those players on the field. Um, and and good to know that Dez is is healthy as well, and that hopefully that's nipped the the COVID strain in the in the receiving core. Last thing offensively for me, the Ravens had four fumbles in this game offensively. That has to get cleaned up. There was another bad snap, as Tim mentioned. 
J.K. Dobbins fumbled for the second game in a row, even though he was able to fall right back on the football. These will be disastrous in any postseason game, especially as it gets colder and that ball gets harder and, and will fall out easier. So hopefully they can clean that up. But having four fumbles in a game like this was, I mean, not not okay, basically. And you saw Harbaugh at a certain point talking to uh, J.K. Dobbins after, after his fumble and trying to get it right. But he's not in the doghouse yet. Uh, so hopefully he gets that sorted out in time for the postseason. All right, defensively, guys, an ugly game from Jacksonville. That helps. A bad offense from Jacksonville. That helps. But a couple of guys having some really, really nice stats, I would say, some really, really nice plays defensively in this game. Who did you like specifically? I loved the game from one Patrick Quinn. Ravens first-round pick. Uh, I'd say he's had an up and down season at times, uh, this year, certainly. Um, though I will say for a young guy without basically an off season, the goods outweighed the bad, but I thought he was awesome. He led the team with three tackles for loss. He had a sack on a fourth down that ended one Jacksonville drive, which as you said, a bad team. Uh, I don't know if he was hurt or was on the COVID list, but the Jags punter was also their kicker. So the kicker was punting. So they went for it on fourth down a whole bunch of this game when they probably didn't, most teams wouldn't have, but, so that helped, but yeah, Patrick Quaid, fourth down sack, he had, uh, he was second on the team with six, uh, six tackles, I thought he was, had a really good game, and like we've said, kind of caveat with everything, you'd like to see some of your better games against the better teams, perhaps, but to be able to, you know, kind of, as a rookie linebacker, really, really kind of jump off the, 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 the tape a little bit, uh, so to speak. I was impressed. So I, I thought I thought Patrick Queen had a really nice day. Yeah, so the Ravens put out this tweet after the game saying he should be defensive rookie of the year. I don't necessarily agree with that. But the stats do look very, very nice. 98 tackles, 8 tackles for loss, 3 sacks, 2 forced fumbles, 2 fumble recoveries, 1 touchdown, and 1 interception. I mean... Not a bad rookie campaign with two games to go for Patty Queen there. Um, so hopefully that continues. Um, Jace left it open, so I'm going to spit the obvious. Yannick Ngakwe showed up. Hey, buddy. Nice to see you. It was a revenge game against a terrible offensive line. So take that for what you will. But three tackles, two of them being sacks, uh, was, a, was a monster off the edge all day. And then just up front as well. Obviously, Calais Campbell going out, which we thought was a problem. Justin Matabuke, the rookie out of Texas A&M, stepped up in his presence. And Derek Wolf quietly having a, you know, he won't get it because he's an interior defensive lineman who probably is categorized as a defensive end, so there's no way people will vote for him. But he should be a pro bowler the way he's been playing this year, um, stuffing guys up the middle. And I just, I thought that that whole front line, whether it was pass rush or stopping the run, was in Gardner's face all day, and that was a a boon. I mean, we mentioned the safety, so Matt Judon will give him a little more credit for that if we have to. Um, and then I just want to look at some of these numbers, too, and, you know, I'll let you guys react to this. But this is more snap count stuff, which I find kind of interesting. Chris Board played more snaps. He finished with one tackle, by the way. Played more snaps than LJ Fort and Malik Harrison combined in a must-win game. Uh, Tyus Bowser played more defensive snaps than Matthew Judon. We've been seeing this go around now. I think it's a little bit of people going, oh, he has three interceptions, and I just look at the highlights. 
But people going, he is the priority to sign now over Ngakwe and Judon because Bowser's contract is up as well. Something that you guys can discuss if you'd like. And uh, Zach Daddy Ferguson got in in place of Giad Ward a lot, kind of replacing him. He had a he had an idiotic penalty. I can't remember on which drive it was. Um, but oh, it was right near the end. Right. On a LJ Ford pick six. <laughs> and then another guy we should mention with Marcus Peters out, Anthony Everett. Played decently well, I thought. And then Tremont Williams got a work, uh, nice workload, too. Made it play in the end zone, uh, I believe. So what do you make about Chris Board and the defensive line, Mat- Matabuke, if you'd like, and then the whole Bowser stuff as well? I'd, I'd be curious to see how much of it happened in the second half uh, and whether it was a, a part, partially a case of once the game got out of hand. But as for the linebackers, they love Chris Board. He, they put him in on third down... A lot. He's like the third down package linebacker, and they take off LJ Fort for him. I love Fort. I don't know. I've, I I think he's maybe the best linebacker in terms of very close to Patrick Queen, but maybe even you know a little bit more seasoned and a better tackler. But I'm confused by it. Um, as for the secondary, the only thing I would add to what you said, Tim, was I was surprised at how often the Jags decided to pick on Marlon Humphrey based on the depth issues and the other guys in that secondary that were playing. It seems like every throw should have been to anybody but Marlon Humphrey, but instead he got picked on. He ended up with seven tackles, I think, for his day because they kept throwing to him. But, um, you know, Tim, I would like the Ravens to be cycling a bunch of different players. It would be awesome if we had true, talented depth that we could put in situational places, for example, like with this Chris Board example where he plays on third downs because he's good at that compared to some of the other backers. But I I don't know considering this game was like essentially over at halftime, so I, I would wonder the first half and second half splits on those snap counts. I'm definitely an LJ Fort over Chris Board guy myself. Me too. Me too, by the way. Uh, Absolutely. The one play that stood out for me, really, the only time I noticed Chris Board particularly was there was a, I believe it was a third down run where Gardner, uh, Gardner Minshew tucked and ran uh, for a first down and Board was like covering kind of the guy out of the backfield uh you know, it's almost sort of a, a wheel route kind of thing that uh, I guess the running back or whoever was, but he just kept running with the guy up the field, even though it was clear Minshew was well past the line of scrimmage. And I was like, turn around. You're the closest guy to him. Tackle him. But so that frustrated me. But uh, to the the secondary, when it comes to defense, I did think up front, you like to see Matabuke a high draft pick relatively. Um, so you like to see those kind of guys come into their own a bunch. But, again, caveat, it was Gardner Minshew. He's not the you know the greatest QB in the world. Um, but I, I did think the secondary absolved itself pretty well, especially, the, you know, I hadn't thought he was great by any means, but you see Devontae Harris got injured in, during this game. Uh, so they're, they're really hemorrhaging talent back there. Obviously, Marcus Peters didn't play. Um, to what you said, Antonio, strange how much they threw at Marlin. I don't know if that's the, the Jags offense coordinator is Jay Gruden. So we, we can't rule out that he was just making questionable decisions, uh, on their plays. But, um, yeah, I thought for all the injuries the secondary had, you know, 
the Jags are horrible, but they are still an NFL team at the end of the day. So to not <laughs> to not like be a disaster back there, I thought uh, it could still be an issue going forward. But I was at least I had I had my fears assuaged, I guess I'll say uh, in this game. But yeah, I, I they did what they had to do against a bad team on defense. So I can't complain too much. Uh, you know they what they give up fourteen points and almost all of them. You could almost argue was garbage time they hit the half with the 26 nothing lead it's hard, hard to be hard, hard to find uh, too many nits to pick in this one all right last thing i'll say about this game uh no punts ravens zero punts in this game <laughs> cook able to just uh hang out with the uh, with the wolf pack and and not really need to be i remember the days of last season when there were multiple games where cook didn't punt and it was nice to have that again in a just dominating game. Jace, I love you mentioning uh, Jacksonville's kicker being their punter. That was sort of <laughs> fun to watch. He fumbled us. I mean, it was a tough snap on one of the punts, and he actually did a very good job of running to get a, a ball, <laughs> avoiding a Raven, and then getting clobbered while punting the ball 40 yards downfield. So, shouts out to Aldrich Rosas, because he did, I think, as well as he could have done, given the situation. So, that's the one positive we'll say for, for Jacksonville for this game. But, a, a you know a predicted win a taking care of business win a continue on the playoff run or stay in the playoff hunt because the Ravens not getting a lot of help elsewhere in the NFL as they continue to win we're going to turn now to the rest of the league starting with the AFC North uh, we're recording this on a Monday the Steelers will play tonight so we don't know their result yet obviously but the Browns playing uh, the Ravens' next opponent, the New York Giants. Browns winning 20-6 to in what have, many have described as one of the more boring Sunday night games in, uh, of the season. Um, thoughts on what you saw, if depending on how much of this game you watched, but thoughts on uh, what you saw from the Browns, and then I guess hold what you thought of the Giants for our, for our previous section, but how did the Browns look in a, uh, a must-win game for them? I just want to say, I, I'll let Jace do the breakdown of the Browns, because whatever. They're the same old Browns, and there was way too much praise for Baker Mayfield, who still isn't that great. Uh, and it, I was watching the game, and it's like, he's cooking! And it's like he was throwing six yards down the field. It's like, what are we talking about here? Keep giving the ball to Nick Chubb. Like, this is going to lose you playoff games. But you know what? Fine. Fine with me. I just want to say, let's not forget that this game was flexed into Sunday night. This was supposed to be a Sunday afternoon. We could ignore this, maybe catch it on red zone game. Browns, Giants. I understand there's playoff implications. I understand as we had to choke it out last week that the Browns are good. Fine. But they flexed out 49ers-Cowboys, which even just aesthetically to watch those jerseys go up against each other. Oh, it's, the be- it's my number one, Tim. It's <laughs> up there for me as well. And guess what? That game ended up being 41-33, to 33, a nail-biting game between the Cowboys <laughs> and Niners. Look, I understand there's no playoff implications in that game, but just just keep that there, please. Like, I I, I was so annoyed that they flexed the Browns into primetime. Uh, first, I was like, oh, well, that means they're going to blow it because there's a big moment for the Browns, and I still don't believe them to come through these. But And I get hindsight's twenty twenty and all that, but to take out a Sunday night, at Texas Stadium, Cowboys-Niners jersey matchup at the very least, and put in this dumpster fire, uh, which it turned out to be, was upsetting. 
Yeah, I know. Obviously, they couldn't touch in you know, Chief Saints. That was a kind of CBS protected game. But there were some really good games, uh, especially in the afternoon. Obviously, you're not gonna. We'll get to that. You weren't gonna put Jets Rams in Sunday night, but the the Eagles Cardinals game was awesome. I really enjoyed watching that. This game though was so boring. <laughs> I mean, there's not too much to say about it. You mentioned Baker Tim. He did have a good game. Twenty seven for thirty two, two ninety seven. But just nothing happened in this game. It was, you know, 20 to 6 final. And I had the game on the entire time. And, like, after Jarvis Landry scored that touchdown, I was like, all right, I can check out now. Like, mentally, I couldn't tell you what happened the whole rest of the game, really. <laughs> I, just, I was, I had it on, I was watching it, and it just, I don't even think they showed it on the 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 nightly high like sports center after the Sunday night game I don't remember even seeing it it was it was boring and the Browns played a ton of games like this just year they're just boring they get the win you're not gonna talk about it or remember it and what's annoying is they're ten and four you uh, Antonio you mentioned the Ravens didn't get any help this was one of many games where they didn't get any help uh, and yeah it was just boring no Danny Dimes in that one he can at least make. Giants game's fun. We'll get into the Giants, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it was just a boring game all around. Yeah, that was one of the one of those games that I talked about last week that the Browns, there is a situation where they don't go to the postseason, and that was a necessary win for them. So they took care of it in that sense. Still opportunities for, for the Browns to uh, to blow it in, uh, in their maybe Week 17 matchup. But another game to talk about that, that happened, it definitely happened uh, on Sunday, and that was the New York Jets uh, just doing the worst thing for the New York Jets in winning on the road across the country uh, in L.A. against the Rams, 23-20. to 20. Uh, I'm not going to get into it on this show too much, but this this game was a disaster for, for whoever decided to gamble this weekend. I repeat, a disaster. So with that, I'm going to turn to you guys. Uh, what did you think of this game? What are the Jets doing? Are they really this bad at sabotaging themselves against themselves? Uh, and are they not? <laughs> are they officially out now in getting the number one pick and Trevor Lawrence? Well, the thing is, the tiebreaker is strength of schedule, which the Jaguars hold the advantage in. So, yeah, it looks like Duval is getting Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to bring all his South Carolina Clemson fans or, you know, Clemson is in South Carolina. You know what I mean? Bring all those fans down to Jacksonville, which is weird. I wanted him to go to New York. I just think big city, big star, big pressure, all that stuff is fun. But then the Jets jet. And you know what? I'll let Jace do the Jets. I'm going to go West Coast here. How Jared Goff is a multi, multi, million, 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 million dollar quarterback is beyond me. Because the guy just has these games where he looks absolutely inept and like how did Sean McVay not realize yes I know a lot of this is down to me and my system and the weapons we put around this guy and we could probably plug and play uh after this run Jared Goff 22 at 34 209 two TDs and an interception took three sacks a QBR of 18.8 he was horrendous on Sunday and not a guy you can trust for a team that desperately needed this win uh, in the playoff race in the NFC. And I don't know. I don't get LA because everybody wants to get on. Like everybody wants to be like LA. Their defense is great. Their defensive coordinator is the new McVay of defense. 
Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, best player on the planet, all this stuff. And all this stuff is true. And then they're just wildly inconsistent uh, from game to game. So I guess congratulations to the Jets, but I feel like most Jets fans are pretty freaking annoyed that Adam Gase was semi-competent, but part of that thanks to the ineptitude of Jared Goff. Yeah, and my, my sense is that Jets fans are just ap- apoplectic right now. They they are off the rails on Twitter, and uh, I saw... Uh, one of my coworkers sent us the tweet of the Jets just posted W and like a gif uh, after they won the game. And just like every comment, one guy said, this is the lowest point of my life as a New York Jets fan. <laughs> just a lot of those tweets. Uh, I'm with you. I think that's what was so most surprising to me actually with this game is um, just the, the opponent it came against. Because I think the Jets, this is going to sound weird have looked competent at times for an 0-13 team. They should have beaten the Patriots. They obviously should have beaten the Raiders a few weeks ago <laughs> uh, before our friend Greg Williams went cover zero in a <laughs> prevent a touchdown situation. But, uh, I I mean, this... Was it a fluke? I don't... They they had the ball a lot. They had the ball nearly, uh, nearly 10 more minutes than the Rams. Uh... I mean, everything went wrong for the Rams in this game. They have a punt blocked in the first half. They have golf throws and interception that sets up another field goal in the first half, and that puts them down 13 nothing real quick. And at that point, I was kind of like, uh-oh, <laughs> is this happening? But then, like, at the end, you think they have a chance. They get the ball back down 23-20, the Rams do. Uh and it looks like they have a chance. They could have attempted a very, like, a decently long field goal, but didn't. And then just, they go deep on fourth down, on, like, fourth and three. It made no sense. <laughs> and then they never got the ball back. And uh, I, I know their fans are upset, but I say good on the Jets. I don't think any team should, you know, no players put too much into this every week to go 0 and 16 but that being said it is very funny that you start out 0 and 13 and you might not like if if the jags lose out it's secured the nfl their research department showed today there's no way the strength of schedule changes so if both teams lose out and go 1 and 15 the jags get the number one pick and it's very funny to just imagine going 1 and 15 and picking second <laughs> especially when you have what everyone pretty much says is like the greatest prospect coming out of college since like John Elway or Peyton Manning or, <laughs> and, Trevor Lawrence. or Andrew Luck, like one of these and guys, Andrew he's Luck, just yeah. going to be the next dude. Now real quickly, because I know we're going to talk playoff race in a second, which is intriguing and, and involves the Ravens. Let's talk race for the number one pick. Both teams, two games left Jaguars home to the bears and away to the Colts who could still be fighting for their playoff lives. The jets home to the Browns and away to the Patriots who We'll talk about them in a second. I don't know who I favor more to lose out here. I, th- I think it's pretty certain that both are going to lose out. If one of these teams wins again, what is the most winnable game on this schedule? Is it Bears-Jags, Jags-Colts, or is it Browns-Jets, Jets-Pats? I have to say Jaguars beating the Bears, right, yeah. this coming weekend would probably be the game. So. Yeah. Gardner Minshew, if you want any chance of maybe, possibly, hopefully not really keeping your job, 
go out and beat Mitchell Trubisky this Sunday, baby. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> it's enraging to me. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't know if you guys heard me a few minutes ago, but if you gambled on this game, uh, you end up getting really, really upset. But anyway, aside from that, <laughs> what is uh, just infuriating is that it eliminated even the slimmest possibility of the Jets winning against the Browns. Like, that would have been the, the, the one that you, like, paint. That's the Picasso is the Owen oh, what were they been Owen oh, 14 Jets beating the Browns oh. and ruining their playoff chances in the best season they've had in 20 years hanging in the loop. But now that they've won, they don't they're not going to not they're not going to win two games in a row. Like there's no chance that they come back and, and win another game and now all the now the Browns are paying more attention to it. It would have just been the perfect situation of the Jets just quietly sliding in as a a perfectly defeated team and then stealing one. So that annoys me too. Um, Tim, I think you're right. I think it is that Bears game. That's the only one that I could possibly see. Trubisky has like three turnovers in the first half, and then all of a sudden the game is way closer than it needs to be. Um, Other games that we need to talk about that happened in the NFL, on a more positive note, let's say, which was a fun game, and another one of these uh, Hall of Famer to be versus well, frankly, probably already Hall of Famer to be, and that's Saints-Chiefs with Breeze versus Mahomes. All three of us picked the Chiefs at minus three in this game last week, and that's what it looked like it was going to be. It would look like a comfortable game for the Chiefs, doing whatever they wanted offensively and really stymieing Breeze early, and then the game sort of turned on its head. There were some wacky plays. The Saints almost score uh, a defensive a defensive touchdown that ends up being a safety instead of a touch, or I should say a special teams touchdown instead of a safety. And it's just a weird score and it stays close, but the chiefs eke out another game and win by exactly three points. Yeah. I think there's real quickly. I just think, cause I, I admittedly caught most of this game, but not all of it. The chiefs is still not put together this FU game yet where they just stomp a good opponent and you're like, Oh my God. But it's almost more terrifying that they find ways to win all of these games. Um, but I think what New Orleans showed, and honestly, for me, for a while, it looked like New Orleans might win this game. And part of the reason was there was a couple drives where that front four was destroying the Chiefs' offensive line. And to beat the Chiefs, you keep Mahomes off the field, you force turnovers, and you get pressure with four and yes that means i don't think the ravens can beat the chiefs because it's one of the things that we absolutely cannot do is get pressure with four but that is how some team is going to beat them uh, mahomes was for not all the game but uh, obviously most of the game that i watched running for his life a lot of the time because these guys are just in his face cam jordan and others are in his face over and over and over again so that could be a recipe for success but again the chiefs just find ways and when they have to turn it on they do and they close out these games that they need to win yeah i i I just looked their last six games the chiefs haven't had a double digit victory they're kind of you're right they kind of are you can get out and on the same side of things we we talked about it in the group chat a little bit it is strange these days after so many years we saw I went down a little rabbit hole the other day myself, just in some spare time, of which I have a lot of in these pandemic times. But uh, uh, 
all the years that they were top three in offense and just bottom three in defense in the, the mid 2010s there before the kind of this current run. And it's weird to say now, but I feel like you almost are more confident in the Saints defense these days. Like you said, Tim, that front is great. Uh, you know, obviously Cam Jordan's the big guy, but Trey Hendrickson's good. Marcus Davenport was a first round pick. Um, and they got after Mahomes. They they had four sacks and clobbered him on one really bad. He fumbled on it. And uh, But all that being said, I know his final line isn't crazy. I mean, it's still really good, 254 yards and three TDs, but 26 for 47. But Patrick Mahomes, obviously, this is the hot take. He is so good. He is. It's, it's so infuriating. And, you know, we just talked about Tankapalooza and the fact that two more probably if the you know assuming justin fields goes second two more great young qbs enter the afc all the young good young quarterbacks including lamar jackson are in the afc oh. and the ravens are just gonna have to compete against these teams year after year i just thought that's of frustrating that. oh my god that's yeah sucks. no i've thought about it too much and uh obviously patrick mahomes is at the top of that list right he is the one he he is the new brady in the afc he is the new guy and Romo said it so uh I believe um or may might have, might have even been Nance but what makes him so hard and why I think even in the face of all this pressure what makes him so difficult is his arm is so strong that even in the face he can just keep backpedaling and can still just <laughs> throw out of it cuz he can throw the ball literally like 70 yards in the air it's ridiculous and uh, so I was really impressed with him. I know the overall numbers aren't too eye popping for him, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I actually left this game feeling decent about both teams. Uh, even though I, the saints two losses in a row, I think their offense is clearly, uh, I think you saw in this game captained by a 41 year old who had questionable arm strength coming off 11 broken ribs. Uh, <laughs> he started zero for five and kind of set Twitter ablaze there for a bit, but, um, so I still, I have concerns about the Saints offense, uh, which you haven't obviously been able to say pretty much since the day Drew Brees got there, but, uh, their defense, Saints defense is great. So if they can figure out anything on offense, they're definitely going to be a hard out in the NFC. Looking around the rest of the league, as we mentioned at the top, not a lot of help for the Ravens in the <laughs> playoff race. Dolphins win, Colts win, Titans win. So the Ravens, even at 9-5 and five right now, are still on the outside looking in. You would have hoped that by now they had one of the spots and just had to win out to hold the spot, but they are still waiting for one of these teams to drop a game. I mean, everybody's looking at the Dolphins because they have to play the Raiders and then the Bills, both games on the road, and they're probably the weakest of, of these contending teams overall, but... Until it happens, guys, the Ravens still on the outside looking in here. Um, any disagreement in terms well, of will it be the that, Dolphins to drop out or, or is it possible that the, the Browns lose the Week 17 game and, and other situations? I want that. I want the Browns out. That'd be the funniest. But I do think it's the Dolphins. That's just what's frustrating from a Ravens perspective is I think we've seen the last few weeks – the Ravens are kind of seem like they're rounding into form. Certainly, Lamar seems a lot better than he was in the middle stretch of the season there. And I think you could make a good argument that the Ravens are going to find themselves a lot on the the team you don't want to face in January lists and stuff. But uh, they're not going to be in January if one of these teams don't lose. <laughs> Somehow they could go eleven and five in an expanded playoff field 
and not make the playoffs. It'd be like, there was only like three teams ever that went 11 and five and missed the playoffs when we only had six seeds. And now we've expanded seeds and we'd somehow like make NFL history. It wouldn't make no, it's literally unprecedented to have an 11, five team miss the playoffs with seven opportunities. I have to believe, I have to hope the Dolphins are going (laughs) to lose one of these games, but obviously the Ravens kind of have to take care of themselves. So I'm trying not to get too far ahead. I think we went down this road years past, uh, where I assumed, I don't want to bring the game up because Tim will yell at me, but where you assumed the Ravens were going to make the playoffs and things went awry late in the year. But Jace, I'm still de-thawing from that game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, that, that is frustrating. You would like just one of these teams. Because I do think the Ravens are the, maybe not the Titans or the Colts. Well, they beat the Colts. I think aside, Titans aside, I think undisputably the Ravens are the best team of the Browns. Ravens, Dolphins, uh, I think you could even argue the Colts, like, group, but they need help, and that's an unfortunate situation to be in this late in the season. Yeah, I mean, I look at it, and one, we should just say, too, a couple things that come out of these games. The Titans are pretty much in now, or at least we can't knock them out, and uh, guess who's heating up at the right time? Derrick Henry, so that's fun. They win 46-25, to and Derrick Henry has another massive day. The Texans. F off, Houston. Like, are you kidding me? Fumbling the ball for the game-tying touchdown, fumbling the ball at, like, the two-yard line, Colts recover, that game's over. That was the end for us because Deshaun Watson's playing out of his skin even with that terrible team. And then, look, I know we needed one favor from the New England Patriots, and we're not going to get it. But we've said it for a couple weeks now, but it is now official Ding dong, the Pats are dead. Wicked Pats, the Wicked Pats. Ding dong, the Pats are dead. They're dead. They're gone. They're not making the playoffs. And you know what? I don't even care that the Dolphins won this game. Um, For me, Antonio, because you asked the question, and maybe this is just because I love Brian Flores so much as a head coach that I don't necessarily think they are the weakest team here. Um, So look, if you look at it, the easiest path for the Ravens is one of the Browns, the Colts, or the Dolphins to lose. Browns, like you said, at Jets versus Steelers. Colts, at Steelers versus Jaguars. Dolphins, at Raiders, at Bills. Outside of waiting till Week 17, because the Marcus Mariota-led Raiders, I don't think, are beating the, the Miami, Dolph- Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry. Outside of waiting till Week 17 for this Bills game, because the Bills might still be fighting for the second seed. Uh, over the Pittsburgh Steelers or if KC falls, although I don't see that happening. We're rooting for the Steelers. And it sucks to say, (laughs) but in week 16, we're rooting for the Colts to lose in Pittsburgh. In week 17, we're rooting for the Browns to lose uh, at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And look, again, as Antonio mentioned before, at time of recording, we have not watched the Monday night game yet. You expect them to their get-right game against the Bengals to trounce the Bengals. But I think the Steelers are going to beat the Colts. I don't think the Colts are that good. And that is your in there. And we'll preview the Ravens game coming up here in a second. But I think after next weekend, I think that's where we go. Hey, look, the Ravens are in now because the Colts have just lost and they have that tiebreaker. And Antonio's shaking his head. I know the Steelers have not looked that good. I know the Steelers are, are frauds and they're a bit, a bit of a sham team as well. And that stuff I don't disagree with. But that at Steelers, you have to go to Pittsburgh and Phillip Rivers in the cold. Like, 
outside of the dome. I don't know, man. I think that might be the win. So I'm not going to inherently sit on this podcast and say, quote, go Steelers. I will never say, quote, go Steelers. But I'm going to have a side eye on that Pittsburgh game uh, come <laughs> next Sunday, hoping for maybe a little bit of a victory there. Yeah, I'm, no, I wasn't shaking my head at the at the Colts Steelers game. I was my, my, again. I love pulling up the uh, the playoff machine. I, I talked about this last week. Uh, if you're looking to waste some time, I was shaking my head as I was going through the different scenarios because the margins are so thin for every one of these teams. There are th- uh, uh, Tim highlighted a few of these games. The Colts can beat. Or, excuse me. If the Steelers beat the Colts. Then there's a situation where the Colts could be out, as as Tim mentioned. If the Steelers beat the Browns and the Colts beat the Steelers, Browns are out. If, uh, I want to make sure I'm doing this right. If the Colts beat the Steelers and the Browns win... This is this is amazing radio, by the way. Which I mean, I don't want to. Spe- then the Ravens are out. <laughs> That's who it is. So I was looking at. I was like, what team is missing from the list? There are so many little situations that change three teams' destinies based on a few of these games. So you don't want to like. I love getting into the nitty gritty, but you also can't get into the nitty gritty because guess what? If the Ravens lay an egg against the Giants, then all this is moot, and they are not going to the postseason. So you would have to think that one of these things is going to swing Baltimore's way, assuming they take care of business. And as Tim mentioned, I'm going to be fascinated by that Colts-Steelers game. I'll try to look up. I'm not sure what time that game is on off the top of my head if they put that into a primetime slot because that's what it deserves based on the importance of that game for those two teams, for the Ravens, and then for the other playoff hunting teams as well. Um Guys, any last points on the NFL and the playoff picture before we turn to the random Raven? Well, I'm just going to go quickly so people, because remember, the Ravens, if you're a Ravens fan, you're focusing on Miami, you're focusing on Cleveland, and you're focusing on Indianapolis. So this coming weekend, Christmas weekend, because we have Friday games on Christmas Day, or I should say one Friday game on Christmas Day. We have games on, as they call it over in merry old England, Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, and games on Sunday. So Dolphins Raiders. Saturday night game. Still got a little bit of a Christmas hangover. You're starting a new one. You're saying, hey, if I just keep drinking, this hangover's not going to hit me. It'll be fine. <laughs> Saturday, 8-15, Dolphins-Raiders. You can watch that one. Then 1 o'clock, you have Browns-Jets, you have Giants-Ravens, and you have Colts-Steelers. All happening at the same time. If you don't have Red Zone and a second TV yet, now is the time. Or an iPad or a laptop, whatever it is. Now is the time for that. Invest. This is where you really need it. Then we're going to move to week 17 very, very quickly. Right now, I have Jaguars-Colts, 1 o'clock. Let's see. We have Dolphins-Bills, 1 o'clock. We have Steelers-Browns, 1 o'clock. And then the Ravens are playing at 1 o'clock as well. So all of those games will be happening in the same time window. Your eyes are going to go look opposite ways because you're going to have split screens. You're probably going to develop adult (laughs) onset ADHD trying to follow all of this. But trust me, it is important. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be very, very stressful down these final couple of weeks. And they put those games that last Sunday all at the same time intentionally, right? That's so yes. that you can't sort of gain yep. uh, an advantage, so you have to be playing all at the same time. It's like Mar- it's like the World Cup. It's March Madness. It's all going to be happening week 17. Very exciting. All right, anything else, guys? And then we'll turn to uh, the random Raven here. 
The good news is that we have football games and that they're very, very fun, that we're able to still have the NFL in December and that there's all these fun situations coming out that hopefully the Ravens will come out of with a playoff spot, (laughs) which at this point could be the seventh seed, the sixth seed, or the fifth seed based on what happens with all these games. So let's move on from this now to the random Raven. Jace, you are up this week. Who do you have for us? Uh, Got a doozy for you guys. Um... At least I I enjoy it. Uh, this defensive back out of Texas was drafted by the Ravens in the fifth round of the 2011 NFL Draft. He spent parts of four seasons with the Ravens, appearing in 50 games, including postseason. He started just two of his 46 regular season games in Baltimore, but incredibly was a starter for two of the team's four playoff games and route to Super Bowl to the Super Bowl 47 title. Oh my God, he was. Incredibly, he did not record a single interception, forced fumble, or sack in his entire career, probably owing to the fact that he saw his greatest action on special teams. Then our final clue, this player's number 23 has most prominently been sported since by Tony Jefferson and is currently in use by one Anthony Averett. I, I, I don't know why, but this is one of those that it shouldn't have popped into my head as soon as it did, but it was just like, oh yeah this guy did you get the draft right off the draft this was like prime tim draft era, yeah yeah probably. this is this is right around there yeah uh probably it was like midway through clue number two so clue number one really helped can i give a bonus clue for the listener because i think this is kind of an obscure one just a bonus just a quick bonus yeah uh, quick it bonus. seems like you know it so one of the all-time names in raven's history i'll just say that one of the all-time names and maybe that'll help all right yeah i'm pretty confident you have to <laughs> All right, we will have Jace recap that at the end of the show. But for now, let's turn to the Ravens' next challenge on the schedule. It's another home game at the bank, this time against the New York Giants, 5-9 and nine on the season. Uh, a Giants team that started 0-5, then got frisky there for a while, put up five wins, I think got to 5-7, and seven, and have now lost their last two games, both by double digits they're sort of regressing back to what they probably were the whole season but nonetheless a challenge for the Ravens if they can as they continue to have to win out here um and I'm gonna just guys let's dive right into it um Ravens offense versus Giants defense what do you like here what are some matchups that are intriguing and what will the Ravens have to do well uh to succeed uh they've got to be way they have to execute almost yeah, 100% correctly and right. Um, the, the Giants defense is the part of this team that is very, very good. They are, let's see, they are seventh in the league in yards per attempt uh, rushing. They only give up 3.9 yards per carry on the ground. And in terms of passing yards just total, they are a little worse. They are 12th. They've given up 3,400 yards uh, through the air this year. So it was good to see the Ravens bounce back as a passing team last week, but I think you have to... See if you can establish the run on a team with Leonard Williams and Blake Martinez, who is probably one of the most underrated defensive players, if not players in the league. Uh, one of the best signings all year from the Packers to the Giants. He had, he had another 10 tackles in the game against the Browns. Um, see if you can dominate those guys up front. And from there, this game gets easy. Don't, you don't have to force too much uh, via the air, but... The Giants definitely have the ability to stifle the Ravens' ground game, and it's just something that 
that is the battle you have to win. You win that battle, you win this game for me. Yeah, that Tim Tim nailed it. The Giants, especially on that defensive line, you mentioned Leonard Williams, but also you know Dexter Lawrence, one of the players they selected when the uh, with the a pick they got in the OBJ uh, trade. He's he, I, it seems like he's kind of coming to his own this season. He had some few nice plays in the Sunday night game that stood out. But uh, yeah, I think if you can do anything on the ground, uh, I think that simplifies everything on offense. Because like you said. They're, they're they're a good defense, but certainly nothing special through the air. Uh, defense uh, pass yards per game, they're twentieth, so you can throw on them a little bit. But uh, as you said, seventh in uh, per attempt and also seventh in rush yards a game. Um, so if you can if you can manage to just kind of do anything on the ground, I think you're in for a solid day because this is a good defense, but it, it's still not. A, it, it's kind of more like the Giants defense is kind of greater than the sum of its parts. I'd say there's no super standout guys. Like you said, Blake Martinez is underrated, but he's underrated, I guess. Like, you know, he's not Ray Lewis. (laughs) Correctly (laughs) rated, but underrated. Yeah. uh, He he is underrated. He's a very good player, but uh, they don't seem to, they don't really have any super, superstars there. So um, yeah, if you could get going on the ground in any meaningful way, I think, it should be not be the hardest uh, day. I mean, they only held the Browns to 20 points, but go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I was just going to say, just one one thing uh, as well for this side of the ball before we flip to the other side. Um, I just looked this up. Interestingly enough, so the Baltimore Ravens, if you didn't know, they like to bring pressure. They bring pressure 40% of the time. That's second in the league only to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you look at their sack numbers, as we talked about, 33 sacks. The New York Giants are a completely different defense. They only blitz 25% of the time, but they only have 34 sacks this year. One, yes, it is depressing that they blitz significantly less and have one more sack than the Ravens, but we know the Ravens don't get sacks, and that means that the Giants, in turn, also don't really get that many sacks as well. 34 is not a massive number when you know your leaders are 45 with the Steelers and 44 with the Rams and Eagles this season, so... Lamar on these, you know, he's going to have time in the pocket, but it's also one of those where they're not going to bring pressure. So there might not be as many open guys because there's going to be a ton of guys in coverage. So he's going to have to make accurate throws, which has been a struggle this season. So through the air, you you have to worry about that just a little bit. I thought last week Jackson did a really good job when the Jags were only rushing four of working his way through the pocket, of avoiding the feeling the pressure um, and working around it while looking for other receivers or, or checking the ball down. Do that again. We need more of that, uh, and that, that's the only thing I'll add offensively, and hopefully avoid turnovers. Let's see a zero-fumble game offensively. That would be seemingly something we haven't experienced in <laughs> weeks. So let's see, you know, 100% of snaps converted successfully. Let's see Dobbins not put the ball on the ground. Um, and then execute, as, as Tim mentioned, and that really should be enough to put points on the board and put even 20 points on the board because this Giants offense is not great. They struggle to score. They struggle to put 20 points on the board. I think they average like 18 points uh, per game offensively for the season. Um, so we flip now to what the Ravens have to do defensively against the Giants. We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be in this situation. Daniel Jones has been beat up the last few weeks. Colt McCoy played against the Browns. Uh, 
Colt McCoy was like that that perfect veteran frisky backup quarterback against the Seattle Seahawks and then fast forward to him now getting a few more snaps and he's a veteran backup quarterback who's not very good and that's why he's been a backup his whole career so I I think I'd rather have Colt McCoy uh, as if I'm a Ravens fan go in this game but um thoughts on who you think will be starting uh and what the Ravens have to do defensively to keep the Giants under 20 points I I think Colt probably gets the start um, just, you know, they bring Daniel Jones back for kind of a one week thing last week. It was clear he wasn't a hundred percent. Uh, and then he didn't, he doesn't play last night. It seems like I, I you don't want to make assumptions. We don't know for sure. It kind of seems like, especially if you're still sort of invested in him, And it seems like by all accounts, he'll probably be back next year, at least for one more go. Um, you, you don't need to risk him further injury so i would imagine uh even though they're in the playoff race they probably are quote unquote shutting daniel jones down for the year so i i wouldn't be surprised to see colt mccoy if it is danny dimes obviously he is one of the most uh prolific turnover artists in the nfl so obviously that is priority number one if daniel jones is in there if colt mccoy's in there though i think like you said he his numbers he has 375 yards in four appearances this year. So he's he doesn't put up big yards. Go ahead, Antonio. The only thing I want to... I, I misspoke uh, earlier. The Giants only averaged 17 points a game, not 18 points <laughs> a game. So they, I, yeah. I, I looked. They, they scored 30 points once this season. Uh, and your Baltimore Ravens are coming off back-to-back 40-point showings. Um, so that bodes well. Uh, and the one game the Giants scored 30 points in, they lost. So it seems like a real race to 30 in this game. If you get 30 points, it doesn't seem like the Giants will beat you. And yeah, Colt McCoy, they just, they have not done much with him. I mean, they, they beat the, they do beat the Seahawks somehow, but they scored 17 points in that game. They've scored seven points uh, two weeks ago and six points <laughs> Sunday night. So with Colt McCoy, I'm not expecting big things. I, I just, he is what he is. The Ravens have faced Colt McCoy in the past on multiple occasions <laughs> during his Cleveland Browns tenure. Uh, he's he's a veteran. He's a journeyman. I'm not anticipating too many issues. Don't, you know, don't let... I think it's honestly similar to Gardner Minshew. I think him, uh, Colt McCoy and Minshew, I think are basically on the same tier these days. Minshew, or McCoy, just a much older version at this point, but... Don't let them beat you. That's kind of, they did a good job of it. And you can't, even though you're hemorrhaging talent in the back, if they get Marcus Peters back at all, that'd be nice. But uh, yeah, just don't, don't let Colt McCoy beat you. <laughs> that's that's my message to the Ravens. Yeah, I worry about this game a lot more if Saquon Barkley's healthy and playing. Uh, obviously he is not. He hasn't been all year. Jace kind of said everything, so I don't have to repeat it, but just dominate this phase of the game. This is this is where this is not like a I think the 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 Ravens offense versus the Giants defense is way more intriguing and I think could be a lot closer. So if that's the case, decide the game on this side of the ball. Um, you know, drop that third down conversion rate really low. Make sure you get off the field on third down. A turnover here and there. Like Antonio said if Danny Dimes is playing, he's going to throw some dimes to Ravens defenders. Let's have that one or two <laughs> times. Um, if it's Colt McCoy, you know, get after him a little bit, get in his face, force some bad uh, bad mistakes and decisions from him. So I'm looking for the Ravens defense to absolutely dominate in this phase of the game. And again, like I said with the run game on the other side, if they do that, if they if they are 
dominant and the Giants can get nothing going offensively, this game is over. This game's over before it started. It really is. Colt McCoy is 34 years old, has been in the league since 2010, has played in a game, at least one game in every season, except for <laughs> 2016. He's played again, and I just, I don't understand how that is possible, how he's still in the league. I would love to see him. I'd love to see him go again. He's a, a former brand, a Browns standout, and I mean standout in all jest in 2010, 11, and 12. So I, I would love to see Colt McCoy reunited uh, in an AFC North type. Uh, matchup with an AFC North team and the Ravens, but I have a lot of confidence in Baltimore in this game. I think they have been, the Lamar Jackson era in Baltimore has been a new frontier in taking care of business against bad teams, which was almost the full opposite experience of the Joe <laughs> Flacco era. Yes, Joe Flacco would have a game where you'd beat the Patriots that one time every three years, but you would also struggle against this exact type of team, this exact type of game when making a playoff push, I don't think it happens this week uh, with this with Lamar Jackson, first of all, with this team and against this opposition. Um, I have an intangibles aspect of this if you guys want to talk about it, but I was just I was bummed to see uh, Justin Tucker miss a uh, 57-yard field goal on Sunday just because it hurts his you know his hurts his average and his uh, Hall of Fame case after drilling the 55-yard of the week before, but missed the 57-yarder. But I uh, still have confidence in him to. Uh, knock 50 plus yard field goals in if if need be but I'm taking the Ravens in this game the line is 10 points I mean I'm as comfortable in this one as I was in the Jags game when it was 13 13 and a half so I'm taking the Ravens here minus 10 and I I think they put up 30 points I don't think they score 40 because I do agree with you guys that the Giants D is is a different animal from from what the Jaguars have um but 30 to 10 seems very, very within reach for me for this type of game, this type of situation. So I'm taking the Ravens minus 10. Uh, it worked last week when I picked the Jags, so I'm just going to do it again. Ravens were a uh, double-digit spread. I'm going Giants plus 10, a Ravens oh, victory. <laughs> I'm not a gambler, uh, but I am incredibly superstitious. And it worked last week, and so hopefully it works this week. That is legitimately sure. the only reason um, that I'm picking the Giants plus 10. I'll just go very quickly as well. Um, and maybe this is reverse psychology because I've been pretty bad at this recently. Miami, minus two and a half away to Las Vegas. Uh, Marcus Mariota led Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think they have any chance against a very good, well-coached team, a good football team in the Miami Dolphins. And then we talked about Jared Goff. He was terrible against the Jets, so I think they bounce back in a, in a must-have game against Seattle. They are underdogs, and L.A. Seattle in a massive NFC West game LA plus two, it's a tiny spread, but I think that game could end up being a one-pointer. Um, so give me LA and the points versus the Seattle Seahawks. I'm a believer in the Baltimore Ravens, so I'm going Ravens minus 10 as well. I do think it'll be significantly harder than the game against uh, the Giants and Jaguars are degrees of bad teams. The Jaguars are a horrendous team that is in line for the first overall pick. The, the Giants are your run-of-the-mill bad team, but like Antonio said... Uh, the Lamar era, we've generally avoided the trap game. Uh, they seem ready to play every week under him, and I think they know what's at stake. They're not. Uh, they need to win. They 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 see the standings. They know there's uh, there's no wiggle room, um, and uh, they they're playing really well right now. They're you know back to back forty point games, and like you said, I don't think they get forty, but I think they win, and I think they win by ten. So I'm going 
with the Ravens. And then, in a J7's first, I believe, on this program, whipping out a tease for you, folks. Family show. Uh, Let's go. We're doing a, 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 <laughs> a six-point tease. Uh, we're teasing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down to minus two against the Detroit Lions, uh, who are playing Matthew Stafford, who is so, so injured. Um, or two and a half, excuse me. Um, and then we are moving the, the Chicago Bears down to one and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do I trust Mr. Trubisky at seven and a half? Not at all. One and a half, yes. I do think the Bears win this game, but it'll get hairy for sure at some point. And then I am extending the Washington football team is two and a half point favorites. I'm extending that to eight and a half and then taking the Carolina Panthers at plus eight and a half. Uh, you can't have Dwayne Haskins favored in this T scenario by eight and a half points. Uh, absolutely. Dwayne Haskins is not beating a team by eight and a half. Um, so that's my tease. Here's hoping it works out. We'll see uh, if it works and I don't have real money on it. I'll kind of be a little bummed, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's the tease for this week. I love, love it, Jace. I love, uh, I think this is the first time that somebody besides me has a tease in Pod Like a Raven history, I think. So thank you for jumping on that. My other picks, I just want to mention quickly because I have been uh, keeping track of this week by week um, with getting the Ravens pick right last week, pushing the Chiefs bet and still waiting on my Steelers pick, which will be Monday night, which hasn't happened yet as of recording uh, one Oh and one, uh, for the week. So at the moment, 23 and 13 overall for the season this week, as I said, Ravens minus 10, my other picks are saints minus seven versus Minnesota. The saints get another home game. I think drew Brees is just going to be more in sync than he was one game after an injury. I think he has a lot more comfort level in this game. Um, the Vikings had their sort of last stand on Sunday. Um, have lost their last two games, are now 6-8 and eight out of the playoff hunt. And so I think a, a touchdown at least win for the Saints seems really, really comfortable. Uh, and then my second or my third pick is the Arizona Cardinals are playing the San Francisco 49ers. This is another situation where the Cardinals, a playoff team, scratching for one of those wild card spots against a San Francisco team that had a tough game against the Cowboys and lost, which means... They're not good. So take a team that is good and is trying to get a playoff spot over a team that's sort of run out of gas. Cardinals only three and a half point favorites in that one. So Ravens minus 10, Saints minus seven, and Cardinals minus three and a half. Jace, I think that your your co-hosts have the random Raven, but for the listener, can you run through those clues one more time? Yeah, so number one, this defensive back out of Texas was drafted by the Ravens in the fifth round of the 2011 NFL Draft. He spent parts of four seasons with the Ravens, appearing in 50 games, including postseason. He started just two of his 46 regular season games in Baltimore, but incredibly was a starter for two of the team's four playoff games en route to the Super Bowl 47 title. Equally incredibly... He did not record a single interception, forced fumble, or sack in his entire career, which also included games uh, with the Bengals and Giants, uh, probably owing to the fact that he saw his greatest action on special teams. And then, final clue, this player's number 23 has most prominently been sported since by Tony Jefferson and is currently in use by Anthony Avert. And, bonus clue, as Tim alluded to, 
All-time name team for the Ravens. All-time name team. I like that. Oh, man. Tim, we... uh, you had this one very early, so why don't you uh, why don't you go with it? We could have some fun with that in the offseason, by the way, the all-time name team. I think Javorius Buck Allen goes on there, a former random Raven. And this guy would be lining up a corner because his name is Shockey Brown. It is. Yes, Shockey Brown. I was kind of surprised... We haven't used this guy yet. <laughs> uh, I'm a little surprised. I thought my clues were vague enough that it would take a while. It certainly would have taken me a while. But you guys, this was this was the prime the prime years, 2011 to 2014. So uh, I should I should have known uh, it would have not been too long. But yeah, Shockey Brown. Um, don't really remember. Obviously, he didn't have an interception or a forced fumble or a sack. So no particularly big place to remember him by but he was he was around for a while and if he was on the ravens so he was there for the super bowl run and that like sort of fun 2014 uh postseason run uh, too? he got like cut midway through that season ah. <laughs> i don't know, hey, you know what, yeah what happened he was he was uh he was waived on November four, uh, November fourth, twenty fourteen, by the Ravens, which is hysterical the because for the uh, by that Patriots playoff game in two thousand fourteen, they had the, their worst aspect was the secondary by a mile. So maybe they, <laughs> maybe they should have held on to Shockey Brown there, and they would have had could more depth. Could have used him, <laughs> <laughs> but that is a, that's a phenomenal random Raven, a phenomenal all name team uh, for the Ravens. So thank you, Jace. Uh, that's gonna do it for us this week, guys. The Ravens trying. Their mightiest to sneak into one of those last postseason spots will continue to do it this Sunday against the Giants. We will be back recapping that game for you next week on Tuesday. For Tim Horsey and Jay Evans, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.